Hey there guys, and welcome back to the Travis and Damien Podcast, episode 119. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and more. Today, we are talking about Baldur's Gate 3, Gail Gadot, Scott Pilgrim, Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, My Adventures with Superman, Spider-Man Lotus, and more. But as usual, we're going to start with our recent activities. I will actually go first, because uh, I have some things I could quickly run through. So obviously, uh, I was really praising me and my... Mune Mayhem, so I went to go and rewatch it. It was definitely a very interesting experience because for some reason, uh, like the row in front of me was just all kids. I don't know if it was just like a field trip or some shit, but I think it was literally just one group because they all strolled in at the same time. I was like, oh God, this is going to be fun. But yeah, you know, it was still a fun movie theater experience you know i think that a lot of the jokes are definitely catered more towards us like adults because a lot of the kids didn't get what the hell was going on with some of those jokes because it's a lot of pop culture references and whatnot so um but still you know definitely worth watching in theaters if you have the time uh, because i'm sure that it's gonna disappear from there uh very soon uh the next thing i've been doing is reading the sonic idw series Uh, i'm really really far behind Uh, So I read up to everything that I have on me right now, which is issue 59. This is issue 55. I only picked this one out because the cover is very nice. I really do like the artwork. But yeah, I mean, the new character Surge and Kit, uh, they're sort of like Sonic and Tails clones that they introduce. And that arc is very, very good. I really do like that. Um, And it's and I forget exactly what happens before then. But the Surge and Kit stuff, very, very good. Uh, They also have like a little like mini series, um, I believe, right before they introduce them within the main series. So you get a better idea of who they are and everything like that. But yeah, uh, Sonic Twitter was kind of going crazy over the newest issue because uh, Sonic and Blaze were holding hands and Blaze was blushing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, that was definitely a fun, you know, hour. So just seeing everyone react to that one panel. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited to go back to my local comic book shop and pick up those issues and read them and hopefully catch up. Uh, the next thing I've been doing is playing a little bit more Pikmin 4. Uh, I know Damien finished it, but I have not 100 percent of it. I only went back into it because I actually didn't play Olimar's Shipwreck Tale. So I wanted to yeah. play that before uh, I did like my full review and everything. So I needed to go and get gameplay footage of that. But I only did the first couple of days, and it is very good. I mean, like I do feel the pressure of the 15-day time limit because I'm like, oh, God, you know, it's like, oh, shit, yeah. I, I, I need to get all 30 of these parts. And it sucks when, like... Uh, because I think the second area, I forgot one part, and I'm like, I'm th- that's gonna waste a day, and that sucks. Yeah. So I'm definitely gonna go back uh, once I like get everything else to go and get that last part. But um, yeah, you know, Pikmin Four is still very, very good. I'm still a long ways away from like 100%ing it, but you know, with everything coming out and other games that I need to play and check out, maybe I'll finish it before the end of the year. But yeah, Pikmin Four is still my contender for game of the year as of right now. Um, and then the other thing I've been doing is I've been cripplingly addicted to Team Fight Tactics. Uh, <laughs> this newest set is a lot of fun uh, just because uh, the augments, which is sort of like perks that you get throughout the game, you get it three times uh, at the beginning of each stage. And it sort of gives you like a little bonus or like a little buff. And like those can also change with the certain champion that you pick so like i picked ezreal because he is very much focused on uh items and then you could also pick other champions as well obviously uh i know caitlin uh you could like get like really strong units early on like two twos like instantly um and yeah you know every single game is very different because at the beginning also you get to choose like a board that'll 
that will dictate how the game is played. So like, uh, just like one one example is like everyone gets like items at the beginning. Like everyone gets to choose like kind of like what items they get, quote unquote. Uh, they're called item anvils, and you know there's a lot of other things that they've changed within TFT. Like when you grab a champion on the carousel, the item doesn't stay on there. It actually comes off, so you don't have to worry about like, oh my god, it's gonna combine, and then and then like the item's gonna combine and shit like that. So. Uh, yeah, you know, there's like a lot of like qual- quality of life changes that they've done as well for the game. But yeah, you know, TFT, I'm like hard stuck fucking gold, but I still love playing it <laughs> for some reason. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much everything I've been doing. I'll talk about Baldur's Gate 3 when Damien talked about it because he's played a lot more than me. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess I'll start with Resident Evil 3 first. So I, I said I would do this like last podcast because I want to, you know, play Resident Evil 4 this year eventually. There's a lot of games coming out, <laughs> so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I did Resident Evil 3. Um, like people said, it's very short. Um, you know, Resident Evil 2, I think, took me like uh, like 10 hours, I think, to do both stories. So it was like a def- decent length. Um, Resident Evil 3 took me like six hours, so it's definitely a lot shorter. But uh, I thought it was fun. I, I don't really have the... Um, I guess I don't really... I didn't play the original, right? So I don't know how it stacks up against the original. I know people swear by the original and think it's way better than this remake. Um, because Nemesis, the guy who's chasing you the whole time in the original game works a lot like how Mr. X works in the um, Resident Evil 2 remake, where he's always chasing you out the whole game. So it feels a lot more threatening. In this game, uh, or in this remake of 3, he kind of just appears in set moments and you just got to run from him and then you're like, good, right? Like, I feel like Mr. X was a lot more scary just because, yeah, he's always there. (laughs) And he's like (laughs) really threatening and scary. Um, This game just feels a lot less scary. Um, also because the game introduces like a dodge mechanic so you do feel like a lot stronger just in general because you could just like dodge out of the way of zombies and stuff uh it makes it like a lot more fun gameplay wise but um in terms of like scariness like i never really felt that scared at like at all during this game like two it was like oh god i'm like kind of terrified the whole time uh this game i don't really feel that as much but the game is still really fun um you know if you don't mind a shorter game you know the game encourages you to play through the different difficulties and do all that stuff um you know there's a ton of unlockables to do uh, so that's pretty fun as well. I know the original uh, Resident Evil 3 also had, like, weird, like, kind of roguelike mechanics where you could go into the game again and, like, some puzzles are different and stuff. Uh, this one doesn't have any of that. So um, it's mostly just doing it through it uh, with harder difficulties and stuff. But um, I still find the game really enjoyable. Um, you know, I think it was still a great game. Uh, definitely not as good as Resident Evil 2 Remake, but uh, I still don't say it was like, oh, this game, like, ruined like Resident Evil, like uh, 3's reputation or whatever, because I, I thought it was good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, don't know. I think it's still well worth it. It's always on sale for like 20 bucks or something, so I definitely think it's worth the, the price as well. So, uh, yeah, I had a good time. I'm very excited to play Resident Evil 4, because I know that's like the that's the big one there. <laughs> um, I right, So, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3. Th- this game fucking blew up. Like I did not expect this game <laughs> to do as well it's been doing. I, I was always interested in it, because I-, I like games like this. But, um, you know, it's been getting a lot of people who don't normally play these type of games to play it, mostly because of the multiplayer aspect of the game. You know, that's kind of like the big selling point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I've been playing with my friend. Uh, and it- it's a good time. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's if you don't know how these games work, it's like a, uh, they're called CRPGs. And you just kind of, it's like this top-down sp- perspective. Uh, there's a lot of talking, you do a lot of dialogue choices and stuff. And since it's D&D, you have the, the flair of D&D stuff. So you have, like, does dice rolls all the time. 
all of the uh, the enemies are called from the, the original D and D stuff. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of the combat rules are also based off D and D as well. I, I've never played D and D, so I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But um, if you ever played any RPG like this, you'll you'll be fine. <laughs> like if you play like uh, even like some Bethesda RPGs, you probably know what you're getting into with like uh, dialogue choices and make sure you have enough charisma or persuasion. You know all that good stuff. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of variation in your playthroughs and stuff. Like in my playthrough, I'm sort of letting my friend take the reins here. She's just, uh, she's just like killing everyone. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's not what I would do. Uh, but sure. Um, so I've <laughs> been killing a lot of people, like a lot. Uh, I, I would have not done that. I like to play these games like as a pacifist or like just be like, hey, I'm going to talk this out. You know, even though it's not as quick. I will do it, like, in a way that makes sure everyone's, like, alive. Like, mm-hmm. right, I killed, like, two party members. Like, two party members <laughs> are just dead. So I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know if that was supposed to happen. But, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I will be honest, though. I, you know, in terms of games like this, like, I, I'm having fun playing it multiplayer and stuff. Uh, but I, I won't lie. I probably would enjoy it more if I was playing it by myself because I feel like I don't get as immersed or... You know, you're more focused on talking to your to the other people, like the actual people in the call, <laughs> rather than paying attention to a lot of lords. So I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. things are kind of going over my head a lot of the time. And that usually doesn't happen to me when I'm playing games like this. But because I also feel like I have to kind of rush through dialogue because I'm like, okay, I need to get a move on. Because I could spend like hours just talking to like two people, <laughs> like in these type of games. So I'm like, okay, I should probably make this like not as like annoying for mm-hmm. other people. Um but, you know, I know that's going to change from person to person. Like, if you're someone that doesn't play these type of games, playing with other people is going to be, like, probably the only reason why you're playing a game like this. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah. So, I think that's cool. But I think the game does encourage you to do other playthroughs if you are into that. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm already seeing this playthrough is going off the rail. And, like, if I was playing it, I would do a lot of things differently. And I think that's cool. Like, I think that means there's a lot of uh, variation how you could play this, like, one game. And you could easily get hundreds of hours out of this game. Like, one playthrough is probably, like, around 100 hours by itself. <laughs> So then you probably have like a bunch more like dialogue options and stuff that you would never have done if you were playing with other people or by yourself or whatever. So I think that's really cool. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, I have played Divinity. I have played a bit of Divinity, which was the uh, Larian's other game they did before this. And the game basically plays very similar to that. Just this game has a way bigger uh, like budget, basically. Uh, so like the combat basically feels the same as well. Like I'm like, oh, okay, this kind of just feels like Divinity combat, which is good. Um, you know, it's turn-based, you know, it reminds me kind of like XCOM a bit, like, you know, you have your, mm-hmm. like, you know, you could dash and move around, and it's, like, more tactical and stuff. I like it. I know a lot of people are, like, kind of iffy on the combat and stuff, but I, I don't mind it. It's not, like, the best thing about the game. Like, the best thing about the game is all the crazy stuff you could do with dialogue and all the different uh, choices you could do, but uh, I still think combat's serviceable. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think it's just great so far. Again, I'm not up to, like, the, uh, I know Act 3 is really buggy right now, because it, it makes sense that Act 1 is probably the most polished, because it was an early access for like three years or something. So mm-hmm. it's been pretty flawless right now. Like I haven't had any bugs, but I heard it does get pretty rough towards the later half of the game. But uh, I guess we'll see when I get to it. But yeah, I've been really enjoying the game. I think it's super fun. Um, I, I like it a lot. I just love games like this. And yeah, it's just a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, Devo. I hate Baldur's Gate. Now I'm playing. Um, <laughs> you know, it's definitely, it's definitely a learning curve for me because I'm not really a person that plays a lot of these games. And definitely the multiplayer yeah. aspect is why I'm playing it. Uh, Louie and my girlfriend, they both sort of like chipped in and like paid for my copy because I was like, I'm not, I'm not paying $60 for this shit because like, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know I'm not going to like enjoy it that much because I've tried D and D before and I was just like, I can't really like get into it. But like, it was just like a very small 
group of us that were doing it at the time. So maybe if it was like a bigger party or whatever. But, you know, I I recently watched the Trash Taste episode where they were talking about like board games and D&D and stuff. And they were like, yeah, uh, Connor said that. Yeah, you know, like D&D is kind of cringe or whatever. And I was like, that's fucked. <laughs> I mean, you know, I can see where he's coming from. But, you know, playing Baldur's Gate 3, I'm, I'm just trying to go in with the flow. My character's name is Sonic and he looks fucking weird. It's like a human person with like blue hair and like a blue mustache and shit so you know i'm just like trying to have fun with it uh obviously my favorite part is the combat because that's when i could fight and like do gameplay stuff you know the lore and everything like that i'm not like super into it and some people may be pissed off at me for that but you know i'm just i'm just there for the vibes because my girlfriend she will she will play this game for 12 hours a day if she could uh if she didn't have a job she would be doing that every fucking day um yeah but because she has responsibilities uh you know on her days off she's 100 playing this game from day to night and i'm just like okay you know like if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do um and she's already done like multiple different other saves different characters and shit like that like after we played uh earlier this week she spent like an hour making another character i was like what the fuck are you doing i'm like what um (laughs) but yeah you know Baldur's gate 3 is definitely a lot of people's game of the year which i could see why because there is so much shit in this game um and i know that there was like that whole ign thing with like uh i guess like how polished the game is or whatever which i i didn't look into it which is why we're not going to be talking about it on this episode but um yeah, you know, the game is, like, pretty good so far in terms of, like, performance. You know, I'm playing it on PC, so, like, sometimes... I guess, like, my PC can't necessarily, like, handle it properly, so sometimes it'll, like, freeze, like, at the start of a cutscene, but I'm just like, all right, whatever, you know, like... That's what I expect with, like, PC games when I play, like, solo stuff or whatever. If I'm playing online stuff, I fucking hate that, obviously. Right. Um, but, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3, you know, if, if you have a, a group of friends to play it, sure, try it out, see if you'll like it, um, but I can't necessarily recommend it to everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a game that's, like, you kind of buy, have to be kind of into it or, you know, like, you know, I like RPGs like this. Or you have friends that, like, kind of shepherd you through and, like, yeah. okay, like, this is what you do. So, I, honestly, I'm kind of impressed it's not as complicated as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if from, like, a new person's perspective if someone doesn't play a lot of games like this. But I actually found it, like, oh, this is, like, way simpler than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, like, I, I, I was expecting a lot more menus and stuff. But not. I, I found combat to be very simple. I found... A lot of gameplay mechanics to be really similar to other games in like this archetype, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's been a very smooth experience for me. I'm just oh, this is like easy. Like, I, I kind of know <laughs> what I'm doing. Uh, just kind of like learning how you know specific stuff works. Like honestly, the hardest part is just like finding out like w- like what dialogue would kill someone or something. So um, but yeah, it's been a great time. I've been really enjoying it. I I, I would be playing way more of this if I could, <laughs> but uh, I kind of can't. So uh, you know, I I don't want to like either go too far and like play more than like yeah, but uh. It's been a good time though. I've been I've been having a good time with it. Um, and then lastly is uh, Overwatch Two. Um, so uh, <laughs> so I went on Steam recently. Uh, it's now the lowest rated game on Steam, which Let's I go! predicted that. I predicted that so fucking hard. I'm like, I don't know why it's going on Steam because I knew instantly people were gonna like downvote that shit, and it is. I didn't expect it to be the number one downvoted game on Steam. That's insane. But I, I definitely expected it to be like negative though. Like I, I definitely predicted that. Um, but yeah, it uh. Introduce a new season, Invasion. Uh, they introduce a lot of stuff. Um, there's a new hero, uh, Alari. Alari. I don't really know how to say her name because uh, <laughs> I, I haven't watched anything with her like her name being pronounced. Mm-hmm. But um, she's a new support hero, uh, and, like support hero because oh she God. fucking murders people. <laughs> um, <laughs> she has like a rail gun uh, and it does like uh, like a pretty decent amount of damage. Her alt is basically just a damaging alt, so she shoots like this orb at someone. 
uh, and it slows them and also like puts like a sticky bomb on them. And if you shoot it, they explode for a shit ton of damage. So that that's cool. <laughs> um, she also has a healing turret that heals like a lot. Like if you put it in a good place where your enemies can't like shoot it and people can just back up to get healed, it heals a really good amount. Um, her like healing on her gun is pretty bad, but the heal turret really makes up for it. And she has like a like an escape too. Like if she uh, press shift, she does like a jump that knocks people away, and she could like run away and stuff. What the uh, fuck? She's really f- yeah, she's really fun. <laughs> Uh, they're already nerfing her though. Like I think she's getting nerfed next week. Like they're nerfing her healing turret, uh, healing rate, and her ult. So I think that'll make her a bit more uh, manageable. Because right now I'm like, oh damn, she's really strong. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, she's fun. But I do think she was a little too overtuned. I feel like Life Weaver was very undertuned, and he was like not very mm-hmm. fun to use. He, he was just very complicated, and his moves were just like I don't know. It just didn't felt worth to use anything in his kit. Uh, I do feel like this new support hero is a little too overtuned. I do like that she is pretty simple, though. Like I do feel like a lot of the heroes we've been getting have like way too many abilities, and it's just like, okay, this is a little much. Uh, I do like that her simplicity, uh, but um, mm-hmm. in terms of like you know her power, I think she was too powerful. Uh, the new game mode, Flashpoint, it's fun. Uh, there's two new maps, like two really big maps, and the way it works is uh, the first team to capture three control points wins. So there'll be like five control points on this huge map, and only one is active at a time, and then you just play King of the Hill, uh, so you get that point. It does capture a lot faster than normal, like King of the Hill in Overwatch. So, you know, the game goes about the same rate. Uh, so you capture it. When the team captures a point, then a new point unlocks, and then everyone moves to that point. Uh, it's fun. Uh, I like it a lot more than Push. Like, I think Push is, like, eh, like it's not very fun, <laughs> in my opinion. I-, I think it's better than, like, 2CP. I think anything's better than 2CP. So I'm so happy Push, like, got rid of that game mode. But, um... It, it, it's it's fun. I think it's a fun game mode. I think it's again a lot better than push. I've been I've been enjoying it, and the big thing is the PVE or story missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I pay extra fifteen dollars for this, so I I did that. <laughs> so, uh, and I played them, and they were fun. Like I had a good time with them. But is it worth fifteen dollars? Probably not. Should it be more? <laughs> yes, definitely. I feel like there definitely should have been at least five missions. Um, I think that would have been a lot better for fifteen dollars. Uh, because I do feel like the first mission was, like, kind of whatever. Like, I honestly felt kind of disappointed after playing the first mission because I'm like, oh, this is, like, kind of lame. <laughs> uh, I think the second mission is actually great. Like, I think the second mission has a lot more going on to it. Um, you know, the mission objectives are a lot more fun. I played on the second hardest difficulty, and I thought the... Uh, like, we lost a lot during the first bit because, yeah, like, defend some ship, like, that's getting people out of, like, the robot invasion or whatever. And um, that defense part is, like, pretty difficult. Um, and then the the last mission is also pretty fun. It's a lot shorter than the second one is the longest one. That one was like twenty something minutes, and then the first the first one and the last one are like fifteen ish mi- uh, minutes, I think. Uh, the last one is also pretty difficult. Like you have like this like low payload part where you go through like a map. That part's fine. And then you have like this sort of tower defense part at the end that's like really hard. <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like the enemies have way too much HP for that, so I did lower it to like uh, hard difficulty. Uh, and then it was like fine, but uh, yeah, I, I thought the missions were fun. Uh, the cutscenes that preceded them and that sort of ended the mission, I think, were really high quality. Like they looked really good, and I'm like, yeah, Blizzard cinematics are usually pretty good. Uh, in terms of story, it's pretty basic. It's just like yeah, the evil robots are coming to take everyone and stuff, and that's about it. So not like a lot story wise or whatever. But um, they were fun. Again, were they worth waiting like four years? And are they worth fifteen dollars? Probably not. I'll say like. Either wait until there's more missions available or just, like, not bother. But I, I do think they were, they were pretty fun. But, again, this kind of goes into the whole thing about them canceling PvE. There's no replayability. <laughs> all of that stuff. Because, yes, once you finish these missions, there's really not much for you to do with them. Like, you could do them in harder difficulties. Or you could play them as other heroes and sort of get, like, journal entries or whatever. But that's not, like, enough to bring people back, you know? Once you do them once, you're kind of over it. So, 
uh, with no leveling system or no real rewards attached to the, these story missions. They're kind of just one and done content, and then like you're done. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I will say this probably the best season of Overwatch <laughs> Two, but that's not really saying a lot. So uh, yeah, again, it's still like a fun game when you're just playing it casually. But yeah, it's it has a lot of issues, and that overwhelmingly negative on Steam is probably deserved. So yeah, <laughs> all my homies hate Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. Some cost fallacy with me. (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. Uh, We're going to move on from there, get into the entertainment news, and then we'll talk about the gaming stuff. So first up, Marvel Studios VFX artists are trying to unionize after a year of reports of crunch and low pay. So obviously, with the Hollywood strikes continuing to go on, um, I think that this is the first, like big group of VFX artists that should try to unionize, especially since because Marvel Studios is sort of like the big the big baddies, if you will, of Hollywood. Like they have a lot of control over everything also because it's under Disney. So they can kind of do whatever the fuck they want. Uh, And they set the standard for everyone else, you know? So um, yeah, you know, if they are successful with this unionization, I think that that would be great. Obviously this is going to be a long ass battle because like I said, you know, the, the actor strike, the writer strike, the, that's still going on. And, uh, you know, we've said it on previous podcast episodes, but, you know, they could they could take their time strike for as long as you need, as long as you can, uh, because obviously, you know, there were some uh, mischievous things going on where they were like, we're going to wait until their rent's up or some shit. So, um, but yeah, I hope that these VFX artists are actually treated like fucking human beings because I think that that is the number one priority. Yeah, um, I actually did read, like, their whole thing they did, like, uh, mm-hmm. I think they did, did, like, a whole statement about saying, like, how to mistreat it and stuff, and yeah, it's pretty bad. This is just them being very understaffed, because, you know, no one wants to work in this job if it's, like, this terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the people working there truly do care about what they're doing, so, like, it's just they're really low on manpower, and, you know, they're just rushing them so much to be, like... Um, to finish this project and then as, as soon as they're done with one project they have to move on to the next project and then the next one so whenever you see like really shitty cgi in these marvel studios it's not because like these vfx artists don't care it's more that they're rushed and don't really have a lot of manpower to make it as good as they can because you know they're like we gotta do the next thing we gotta do the next thing and i think that's marvel's biggest problem is they um it's definitely like you know qual- uh, quantity over quality at this point. Where it's like we got to pump out as many things as possible mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, and you know that's obviously been not working at all. Like I think the um, the rise of all the Disney Plus shows, which apparently uh, you know when I was reading the VFX thing, they said it made their jobs way worse because <laughs> not only they have to do movies, they also have to do like these like eight episodes, six episode uh, series that mm-hmm. I think like take as much work as a movie, if not more, because there's like more things to do and stuff. Um, you know, I think it's, it's really just spreading all their teams thin and stuff. And uh, I think Marvel really has to just like I know they're right. You know, they're very stopping on like mass producing these Disney Plus shows, um, which I think they should because you know I think we both agree that in terms of quality they've been pretty <laughs> lackluster at this point. Yeah. So um, yeah. So hopefully they could just lower on the amount of project. I think they should really just focus on movies again. Like just like focus on maybe one, two, three movies a year. And mm-hmm. then that's about even, I, I think like two movies a year, honestly, like, I think that's what we should be going for at this point. <laughs> Cause uh, I, I feel like it's just so much, man. Like it, yeah. even as people that actually like Marvel and keep up with it, you know, even, I, I don't know about you, but now I'm starting to be like, okay, this is like too much at this point. Like, I feel like I'm just watching this just cause like I have to, <laughs> not because I want to. And that's a yeah. bad feeling for anything. <laughs> I'm really bad with some cause fallacy. So I feel like mm-hmm. once I'm into something, I feel like I have to just keep doing it. So like, yeah, hopefully, it, you know, it improves. Hopefully, after these strikes and stuff, you know, we could see better projects and stuff. But, yeah, it's um, 
I'm happy that they are trying to unionize and try to like fight for better pay and stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, to a certain extent with the sunk cost fallacy argument, I think that I am also within that same boat. But at the same time, I'm still having fun with the Marvel stuff to a certain extent. I mean, I'm excited. Uh, I am too, but yeah. Secret yeah, Invasion yeah. was bad, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Secret Invasion yeah. was not good. And it wasn't because of the CG. It was also just because of the fucking storytelling. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm excited for the, the, the Marvels. And, you know, I think that... Uh, a lot of people have sort of distanced themselves from the whole MCU because of Endgame. And then they were like, where the fuck do we go from here? And I think Marvel has been trying to pump out so much crap that you're losing people even more. And because the quality of the, the, the stuff is also not there, you know, it's like, what is the point of even trying to reinvest into the MCU when everything is just so bad or mid or whatever? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, these VFX artists, they deserve to have CGI that looks as amazing as the Amazing Spider-Man. Because I recently saw on Twitter where it was like, you know, like these these gifs look so fucking good. And the movie came out in like 2012. So, you know, stuff like that should be timeless. And I think that uh, a lot of the VFX that we see within current marvel stuff is gonna age out instantly which it already has you know people have already called out on the terrible cgi and everything like that so yeah you know let these people work let them take their time for as long as they need because obviously quality is always better than quantity yep as it always is (laughs) so um, (laughs) hopefully that happens i mean you know we both still like the mcu quite a bit uh i just you know want it to be a bit better than it is right now because uh you know we've already ranted about this you know lack of direction, <laughs> you know uh, a bunch of other stuff so um uh, i'm really happy that these vfx artists are, tr- are finally unionizing after all the awful things they went through so yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so next with i guess is not mcu news but it's like i'm pretty sure this is the sony variety right yes <laughs> spider-man stuff <laughs> So, yeah, Sydney Sweeney, so she's from Euphoria. She's going to be Spider-Woman in uh, Madam Web. So this is interesting because I think she's only really done, like, teen dramas and stuff. Uh, I don't think she's ever been in, like, an action-type thing, right? Uh, I don't think uh, so. I mean, yeah, she was been, in... Like, more, like, dramas and stuff. Yeah, she was also in White Lotus, which was, you know, heavily praised. I believe that is also a drama show. Yeah. Um, and then she's uh, going to star in another thing that's going to be like a rom-com later this year or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, uh, in this uh, Variety interview, which I did read because, you know, I, I have been following Sydney Sweeney ever since she made her debut on Euphoria, uh, just reading about, you know, her life and everything like that and seeing uh, that she did pass, I, I guess, like the physical aspect of it. So, you know, she isn't just like, you know, someone that isn't you know, just someone that will do dramas only. I guess she was able to, you know, pass that physical aspect of what the Madam Wed movie will will entail. I don't, shit. Yeah, I don't I don't fucking know what she's gonna do in this movie, but you know, the fact that her character has finally been revealed as uh Spider Woman slash Julia Carter uh Carpenter my apologies. Uh, I think that that is pretty interesting just because a lot of this movie has been kept under wraps. You know, we only know who's in it, but we don't know who's playing what, because obviously the Madam Web stuff is kind of new for the comic, for the comic books and like the whole Marvel thing. So uh, having her be Spider-Woman is going to be kind of interesting. I mean, you know, we still don't know shit about this movie, but I think that this uh, variety interview of Sydney Sweeney is still very interesting because she also talks about, uh, I don't know if you, uh, knew about this but there's like a, a controversy where like she posted some pictures on instagram and it was like uh people or like friends of her family wearing like blue lives matter stuff so people yeah. instantly labeled her as that but she said that it was like a joke or whatever and like they were just like wearing it for funsies or whatever you know it, it was just like it was just like a misinterpretation which i think that, that was like a kind of like interesting thing that i wanted to point out um 
but yeah, you know, if she's she's actually gonna be playing this character, you know, I wonder how it's gonna pan out because obviously everything with the Sunnyverse has been in the air. <laughs> is yeah, what I'll say. So I guess we'll see how she does. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see like how she sort of branches out from where she usually does to something like this, like a superhero thing. So um, that'd be interesting to see how that does. Uh, mostly because um, I don't think we ever really have like a Spider Woman like. In like the in like TV uh, or movies or anything, mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. So that's gonna be interesting to see how she does this character like <laughs> for this. <laughs> but again, it's still Sonyverse stuff, so you know I won't really, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not like a lot of quality <laughs> there. But you know, I, I give it a benefit of doubt. I, I think because the only thing I ever knew about Madam Web, like at, at least from this production, is that it's happening and that she's in it. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. the only things I knew. So um, I guess we'll see how how she does. <laughs> Yeah, you know, a lot is still unknown here, but at least we know one thing is that uh, she is Julia Carpenter. Uh, but moving on from there, we got some other superhero news, which was kind of funny and kind of crazy to see all happen within one day. So uh, Gail Gadot reconfirmed her role in the new DCU Wonder Woman film. Uh, she did an interview with Flaunt.com, uh, and this is a quote directly from the article. Uh, I was invited uh, to a meeting with James Gunn and Peter Safran, uh, the pretty much people of the uh, DCU. Uh, And what they told me, and I'm quoting, is what she's quoting. Um, You're in the best (laughs) hands. We're going to develop Wonder Woman 3 with you. We love you as Wonder Woman. You've got nothing to worry about, uh, end quote. So time will tell, as she said. Uh, And then Variety came out and was like, "Uh, actually, that may not be happening. Um, And then uh, later on, uh, uh, Culture Crave, which I don't even know where they got this interview from, uh, but James Gunn did not comment on Gil Gadot's involvement as Wonder Woman. So, you know, it's uh, obviously like I think I think we were calling it last time where it was a battle of he said she said kind of thing. So we actually don't know what the fuck's going on with the DCU Wonder Woman. Um, I think that if she does return, um, I hope that it does bring a new direction for her because I think a lot of people have been going back to the old Wonder Woman films and Justice League stuff and pulling out clips of her uh, doing really bad and poor delivery lines, which is kind of funny. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you know, she is a Hollywood actor. Uh, so I so I would hope to believe that she can act, but I guess she may not be able to. I don't fucking know. Because I guess uh, her, like, deadpan deliveries within the first Wonder Woman film I thought was just, like, her character, which it could have been, it could have been. I thought so too. It could, to be honest. It could yeah. have been her character, but then she was delivering that that same way within Wonder Woman 1984, and I was like, okay, uh, maybe it's still part of that character. I don't know. Maybe this is just copium that I'm huffing. But um, yeah, you know, whether or not she's part of the new DCU with James Gunn and everything, um, only time will tell. Am I against it? Kind of. Am I for it? Not really. I'm kind of in the middle. You know. We're just going to have to wait and see because a lot of people are fan casting uh, new actors to play Wonder Woman, which, you know, I'm all down for. Yeah, I mean, I'm only against it because, you know, I want James Gunn to do the hard reset like he said he would. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, it just wouldn't be fair if some people were brought back and others weren't, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of weird. So that's the only reason why I'm, like, for, like, not her coming back. But I never mind her as Wonder Woman. Like, I, I mean, I actually never noticed her deadpan delivery. But I, it's been a long time since I watched the first Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. and I, I like kind of blotted out 1984. <laughs> like I kind of don't even remember it, so I, I can't really remember a lot of it. But I remember liking her. Like I don't remember her being like bad at what she was doing. I guess like as she seems to fit Wonder Woman pretty well, um, at least from what I was remembering. 
um, you know, I actually did like the first one quite a bit. So, um, and I thought she was good in that. So, uh, but you know, I, I've been seeing a lot more hate for her recently on Twitter and stuff. Like people are like, nah, she she was always bad and stuff. So, I don't really know who to believe, but uh, I'm <laughs> gonna be like, I, I thought she was pretty good as Wonder Woman. But um, you know, if, if it's time to change up, you know, uh, the actors and stuff or actresses, you know, go ahead. You know, I think James gonna say he wants to do that anyway. Like I said, so. Um, I think a new Wonder Woman would probably be for the best at this point. Uh, I think just removing anything from the old MC, uh, I'm sorry, DCU is probably for the best. Yeah, and like I saw a tweet about like Blue Beetle having references to Man of Steel or some shit, which yeah. I think is just just the movie trying to sort of I guess connect itself to the overall DC universe that was there before before the movie was like in development and being made and everything yeah, yeah. so I don't know how in integrated that is into the movie I doubt it's like that much of a thing even if it is one line but then again maybe they could have cut that out maybe they could have obviously we haven't seen the movie I'm gonna see it this Saturday um but yeah you know and, and it is getting good reviews and everything like that right. but um yeah you know Gil Gadot you know whether or not she returns let's let's see what happens as we always say <laughs> yeah I, I i doubt it but um yeah i i guess we'll see again i i feel like blue beetle i think anything with blue beetle people are going to like hyper analyze because like mm-hmm. oh see the, the dcu is in debt but it was just because it was like a very in production like before all mm-hmm. this stuff happened so it, you know blue beetle is in this weird middle ground where it could either be in the old dcu or it could easily fit in a new one because like who cares <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it's probably going to be in the new canon rather than the old one so just like keep that in mind if if anyone notices any references and stuff it probably is just references at this point it's probably not going to lead to yeah. anything greater than that so yeah uh, but next we got something really good. Uh, <laughs> got a Scott Pilgrim anime teaser. This looks so fucking good. It looks really good. Yes. <laughs> um, they they perfectly captured the art style from the from the comics, uh, especially like the later ones. Like um, I, I think the original Adult Swim animated short did a good job sort of replicating the style of like the earlier ones and this one does a better job replicating like his later style from like the newer scott pilgrim stuff you know like it looks really good um and yeah I, that's all i can really say it looks fucking great <laughs> i'm very excited for it I, i'm just happy it looks like this good yes um, and it looks like it's gonna be very true to like wherever the source material was uh which is good because i love the movie i think we both love the movie mm-hmm. but obviously they, they skimmed through a lot of stuff because you know you can only do so much in in one movie and there's a lot of really cool stuff in the graphic novels that they didn't really get into in the movie like you know um with uh envy and stuff like that she has like a whole thing and you don't really deal with that too much of that in the movie so that's gonna be cool to see uh also have like scott's like depression arc <laughs> which you also don't really get to see that much of <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's going to be cool to see if they really get into all the nitty gritty stuff. And I don't know if this is a one season thing or not. Uh, I would uh, hope not. I hope it is more than one. But I don't know. It does seem like it will be a one season thing just because of like how much production it was in this with all the voice actors coming back, which are big stars now yes. uh, to the animation and stuff. Uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, it might just be a one time deal, but uh, I'm very excited for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people have fallen in love with Scott Pilgrim because of the movie and sort of the cult following that it has garnered over the years. Um, I think that the biggest story that came out, excuse me, when the movie was initially in theaters and then when it went on Blu-ray was that like the Blu-ray sales were fucking insane, you know, like, which is like kind of crazy to say especially during that time where it was like that kind of stuff was sort of being phased out but people a lot of people went out in droves and bought it on blu-ray because you know they didn't see it in theaters and they really wanted to support this film and the fact that we now have an anime of scott pilgrim is crazy enough to say obviously 
the art style is like nearly flawless. It looks so, so good. I think that uh, what Spider-Verse has done for animation in a way where it's like, you know, animation can be like this art thing that like can be made for adults and look so fucking good. Not to say that it looks like Spider-Verse, but I think that that movie and sort of what it did, what it did for the animation industry and sort of how people looked at animation and the fact that they got an actual anime studio to, to work on this is great. Uh, they got Brian, Brian O'Malley to come back to write and executive produce it. And they also got Edgar Wright, who directed the film, to also executive produce this series. So pretty much literally everything fucking aligned for this series to be great. And it yeah. is going to be awesome. I hope that it's going to be as good as people are expecting it to be. It's going to come out on Netflix on November 17th. Um, I think it is weird that we didn't see any like voice acting stuff. I think that's a lot of it has to do with the sort of, you know, writer strike and everything like that going on because I'm sure that they don't have every line sort of recorded. So they just gave us like a sizzle reel of like pretty much every like cool shot that they got right now. Um, but yeah. you know what? I'm not complaining because like I said, it looks great. It looks good. Very colorful, very much like the original comic book. And if you haven't read the comic book, please do yourself a favor and read it. It is so, so good. They have so many different versions of it out there. They got the original black and white volumes. They got the color hardcovers, which I have. And then uh, they also have the big old omnibus versions, which I think I also gave to Damien because I bought the individual hardcovers. But um, yeah, please, if you've watched the movie, the movie only is so good. You got to read the comic because once you read that, you are ready for this Netflix series. I also played the game, too, because the game is really good. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, it was a point. Oh yeah, I, I see a lot of things on Twitter. It's like, be prepared for people on Twitter to be like, "Wait, Scott's actually a bad person." It's like, yeah, <laughs> he's not a very good person. So yes. just get ready for that. I, I do feel like that happens a lot where people like figure out, like, "Wait, what do you mean this character is like kind of a bad person?" <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's kind of the whole point. Uh, but yeah, it, it looks great. I'm very excited for it. November seventeenth. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I would. I hope we could, uh, you know, hear some of the voice acting and stuff. But yeah, like you said, it's probably some things behind the scenes and stuff. But um, either way, it looks great. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, I know Michael Sarah. Uh, I think he did like an interview recently, and he, and he said that he always like got excited recording lines for this, and I think he sort of said like, "Thank you for letting me be a part of it" or whatever. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is gonna be great. <laughs> very excited. Uh, now we're gonna get into the gaming news. First, we got a big one: uh, Red Dead Redemption. Uh, not a remake, not a remaster. A straight port is coming to Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4 today, digitally. Uh, if you want the physical version, it will come out October 13th. And guess what? The price? $50. So, yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this caused a lot of shit on Twitter uh, and online in general just because it's like you guys aren't even like touching the game up. You guys aren't even remastering mm-hmm. it. What the fuck am I paying $50 for a over 10 year old game kind of thing? Uh, even yep. though, you know, it is coming to these consoles for the first time, a lot of people are feeling gypped and sort of, uh, you know, like this is this is not what we wanted. You know, a lot of people want a remake or remaster of Red Dead Redemption because this is one of Rock Rockstar's best games I will hold to that because this is the only Rockstar game that I really truly fell in love with you know Red uh, Red Dead Redemption you know really really good GTA also a a very good prominent series within their catalog obviously Um, personally I have never really fallen in in love with any GTA game in particular and I feel like Red Dead Redemption you know for them to just put it onto these consoles slap $50 on him and be say this is a justified price is a whole lot of bullshit you know Mm -hmm. um 
I don't I don't see a lot of people buying this other than the fact that they are hardcore Red Dead Redemption fans or people that want to try it out for the first time or whatever. But I think if they wanted this to sell like hotcakes, they should have just remastered it. Um, and even then, if, if they weren't going to do that, make it $30. Yeah, dude, I, I was like, first, I was like, oh, that's that's really cool. I can actually play this game now because I always wanted to play Red Dead 1 before 2 mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, because, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about both games. Uh, I've never really even beat a Rockstar game, like you said. Like, I I played GTA a few times, like, punched someone in the street and then, like, cheat code my way to victory and then that's <laughs> about it. Uh, so, yeah, I was very interested in actually playing Red Dead 1. And you know, there was a lot of rumors throughout the year that this was going to happen. Um, it started as, like, it being, like, a full-on remake and then, like, a remaster. But what we ended up getting was basically a straight port. So when I saw the port, I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, it's going to be like 30 bucks max, right? I'm like, that's cool. Uh, I could like f- play the game, whatever. I don't really mind that's not a remaster. It would have been cool, but um, whatever. And then as soon as I saw the price, I'm like, all right, you could fuck yourself because I'm not paying $50 for a straight port. Uh, again, even if it was like like a remaster, I still feel like $50 is way too much for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this should have been like $20. It should have been $20 um, for a straight port. And that's it. That would have been like people would have been kind of upset. It wasn't like more than that, but you can't really argue because it's like cheap, right? Mm-hmm. But now, like, why they, they made it fifty because they know people probably would have like just bought it anyway because it's like Red Dead. Mm-hmm. But uh, I hope it doesn't sell yes. very well because I really want them to be like, yeah, that's not okay. And you know, Rockstar has been in a very bad spot in terms of their uh, their porting and remasters and stuff because you know I think it was last year the GTA uh, collection thing came out and that was yeah. a fucking disaster mm-hmm. and that was like sixty bucks and it just didn't work. And now they released this, which I, I hope they would learn their lesson and be like, okay, we should do this right. And then they did it, and they just made it $50 <laughs> for a port. Uh, I don't even know how well the port is yet, you know? Like, yeah. you know. It hasn't even come out yet, so it could also be a buggy mess. I don't know. So, um, yeah, definitely wait on this. You know, I'm going to wait until it's like like 20 bucks, then I'll buy it, because I am still am interested in Red Dead, and I actually want to play through the game, uh, same thing with the second game. Uh, but, yeah, not for $50. I think $50 is, is an outrageous price for this, and... Um, yeah, I thought Rockstar would learn a lesson from like last year, but a family did it. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, like even even if they like, I forget where I was going with this point, but yeah, I mean, like just like Red Dead Redemption, you know, just at fifty dollars is just absurd. I think that um, even even if they like, I don't even know what else they could have done. Oh. This was my point. I think Rockstar thinks that they're like the hot shit in like the gaming industry. Like they're fucking like Nintendo with this seal of seal of quality approval bullshit (laughs) or whatever, where they're like, we could charge our games the highest amount because GTA five was like $60 for like the longest time. And like it went from PS three to PS four to PS five and it was still like $60. Nowadays it's sitting around like, you know, 30, 40 bucks now because obviously the game is kind of old. But even then when it was still around like that $60 price point on like PS four, it was like, I'm like, why is this shit still $60? Like, this is crazy. Um, yeah. So for them to do this move, this shit is ballsy as hell. And I hope that people are voting with their wallet and like to those people that are actually like upset just like us, if not more, that they're not buying the game. Because like it would be so fucking stupid to like type all of this shit and like complain about it and then just be like, all right, here's my credit card, $50 down the drain. I'm like, what right. What was the point of all that then? You know, like even with the, uh, I guess like Pikmin 1, 1 and 2 uh, remakes or whatever on the Switch, you know, that was like a $50 combo. That's a little bit more understandable because the game for resale doesn't go for like, you know, $10, $15 on the resale market. I literally I mean, just... It was- it was 1080p as well. Like, yeah. you did up it and stuff. Like, this This is just, I'm pretty sure, just, like, a straight port. 
So yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at the prices for like Pikmin one and two on like the Wii and, and GameCube, it's like still like a hundred bucks a piece, which is like crazy. Yeah. So it's like okay, well, if I could go and get this combo for fifty dollars, brand new on the Nintendo Switch, it's like all right, I'm gonna go and do that because it's actually cheaper. Um, but yeah, I just think I just think Rockstar thinks that they're like the hot shit and like they could charge these prices because they can get away with it, which they might. We'll see. You know, obviously the game just came out um, and I wonder how well it actually performs on the PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch especially. Also sucks it's not like on PC either. So mm-hmm. like PC players are just eating shit as well. So that, that's pretty unfortunate. <laughs> uh, I know Rockstar has never really viewed PC as like a, like, like they always treat them like second class citizens for some reason. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but uh, sure. Uh, but yeah, hopefully it doesn't do too well. Cause yeah, I'm not paying $50 for that. I'm definitely waiting on a, on a big discount on this one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is absurd. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, speaking of more absurd price stuff, uh, Street Fighter 6, uh, you know, uh, it had the TMNT DLC's costumes, but each one, I'm pretty sure cost $15, right? For each yes. turtle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, so- and there's no like $15 thing that you could just buy. You have to like buy $12 <laughs> and five. And then if you want all of them, you're going to have to buy $50 and then five or whatever. That's insane. So like, there's no like, there's no clean way to buy these costumes. <laughs> It's it's actually kind of insane how expensive they are for like yes. no reason, especially because they're literally the same model <laughs> with a different color bandana. Like like you know it's cool, but it's like what? And they should have been like fifteen dollars for all of them because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the, the same model. So um, again, the, the, there are quality skins, but like for that much money, no, definitely not. So um, you know, I guess I guess into the whole thing about DLC pricing and stuff, and you know, I, I feel like with certain games like it makes a lot more sense for costumes to cost that much like i think fortnite like you do get a lot more bang for your buck for like spending mm-hmm. 20 bucks as opposed to overwatch where you spend like 20 dollars and you see your hands <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so so i feel like it's not really worth it to buy skins in overwatch as much as like fortnite in terms of street fighter yeah you can see your characters as well but it's also like yeah that's a lot <laughs> yeah and like just for the skin and yeah. like this can only be used on your avatar within the single player mode right oh, that's even worse yeah, yeah. like these <laughs> aren't even like playable characters or anything these are literally character skins for your character within the single player right. stuff so yeah it's like are, are people actually buying these i'm sure they're buying one of them you know like they're probably buying like their favorite turtle or whatever if i was playing street fighter 6 would i buy these probably not maybe i'll buy one i mean obviously like i'm not a huge street fighter person but like just looking at how you have to buy these you're gonna have to buy 12 dollars, and then you're gonna have to buy another five if you want just one of them and then if you want all of them you're gonna have to do the same thing it's just that more money so yeah, it is it is crazy that that Capcom actually did this. You know, it feels like it feels like we're going back a little bit. Obviously, like Capcom have been on a roll recently with their games. Like yeah. Street Fighter Six is still like a very very good game. Uh, but yeah. you know, I I think I think me and you both remember when they locked DLC onto oh yeah the fucking disc and shit. You know, <laughs> yeah. but obviously like this is not as egregious. It's just that like the pricing is a little crazy and the fact that there's no clean way to buy it with like one single transaction. Yeah, they should just have a bundle and make it so you can buy all four of them and maybe you get, like, one free, basically, or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's still, like, a lot of money. But, yeah, I, I feel like the scummy... I, I hate when games have the thing where you buy, like, gems and shit mm-hmm. and then they, like, undercut you. It's so dumb. Like, just so you could pay more money. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But, yeah, it sucks. 
Moving on from there, we got uh, another Ninja Turtles thing, TMNT The Last Ronin. Uh, we yeah. got a official game reveal. This was during the THQ Nordic thing. They also announced a new Scott Pilgrim game, or not Scott Pilgrim, South Park. I was going to say, South Park say, game. Huh? Scott, <laughs> South Park game. Yeah, um, South Park game, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I read the, the Last Ronin throughout this week just to like get familiar with the story and see exactly how it plays out and be able to actually talk about it on the podcast and give Damien a summary of exactly what the story is uh, without spoiling anything, obviously. So yeah. uh, the main gist of it is that like all three of the turtles died except for one of them and they are the last Ronin and they are sort of trying to end this war against the Shredder, uh, the the Orokusaki clan, uh, if you will. Uh, so they're pretty much trying uh, as, as the lone last turtle along with some other side characters that you will be introduced trying to uh, defeat Shredder, pretty much. Um, and Shredder has obviously taken over New York after everything that has happened within this war because uh, I think Peter Layer and Kevin Eastman sort of described this as like, sort of like what would happen if like the war went on for so long and like what would happen if, you know, we, we, we reached this point where like three other turtles died along with some other characters and we're here. So obviously the comic is very fucking bloody. It's very gruesome. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, you know, not so PG things happening. So, you know, if you have a kid and they want to read this, don't give it to them. Uh, I would definitely not give this to my child because I'm just like, yo, because you do watch the other three turtles die. You watch how they die because obviously Damn. the book explains like everything that happened before we get to like present time. Um, not like all at once, you know, it goes like back and forth or whatever. Um, but very, very good. Uh, story just comic book story in general uh so i cannot wait to see what they can do with this game that is described as a triple a budget god of war action rpg you know sort of thing very um, ambitious yeah. yeah very very ambitious and i think that um if they are going to adapt the story they don't have to adapt it to a t because obviously you know i think that uh when we move from you know comic book to any sort of piece of media you know there's obviously room to like adjust things here and there um i think that this that this story can be adjusted within certain aspects of it. Um, and I think that if they are able to actually land it and actually make this game as big and as ambitious as they want it to be, we're going to have like one of the best Ninja Turtles games ever. And and it's going to be like, obviously like all of the other like beat em up stuff. Like, you know, I know uh, the recent uh, TMNT beat em up game. I forget exactly what it's called. But Rides of Shredder, right? Yes. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, Shredder's yeah. Revenge. Oh, I Shredder's believe. Revenge. Yeah, yeah. Shredder's Revenge. Recently, yeah, right. they just announced more DLC and whatnot. You know, they're still supporting that game. And that game is great in its own right. But yeah. I think that a big AAA action RPG open world game with the Ninja Turtles, especially with the last Ronin story, this is gonna be great if they're actually that to able you know pull it off or whatever yeah apparently it's being developed by the people who uh made the new uh destroy humans remakes which i thought were really good so mm -hmm. uh, that's good you know i think those had a, a pretty decent budget and them. you know they look pretty good for what they are and i'm imagining this game's gonna have a bigger budget than both of the remakes did yeah um so that that's pretty good um so yeah i guess we'll see when it comes out again it's really ambitious especially for like a for a publisher that mostly pumps out double a games so it's gonna be interesting to see how they do like a big triple a thing like this you know so um, mm -hmm. hopefully they don't disappoint because you know it could easily go wrong but uh you know i have faith <laughs> i have faith <laughs> uh, i think tsq nordic has been publishing some pretty good stuff so i guess we'll see when that comes out yeah uh yeah that's all i can say all right <laughs> so next we have the walking dead destinies uh this is a game 
where you're able to relive the first four seasons of The Walking Dead, but you're able to change how the story unfolds. So, you know, an example they did was like during the, uh, I, I believe it's during the prison part when uh, Rick shoots uh, Shane, right? That was his name? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, like, you know, usually, yeah, Rick would shoot Shane, and then that would be the end of that. Uh, and this one, they're like, oh, what happened if Rick dies during that exchange? And then, you know, he's the one, like, leading the way and stuff, like, against Negan or whatever, I guess. Um, uh, so, yeah, I guess that's cool. Uh, it looks bad, though. <laughs> so, um, from, from the gameplay, it's a cool idea for a game. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, um, oh, that's that's a pretty cool way to do things. Like, you know, that, you know, you could shape the way the story goes. Like, maybe if you didn't like a certain thing that happens, you could change it in this game. But, you know, just from the graphics and gameplay and stuff, it just looks like a 360 game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not, like, in a good way. It looks very janky. The graphics look pretty bad. The animations are very stiff. You know, it's obviously like, you know, try to punch above his weight class in terms of what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. It just kind of looks like not great. I mean, it's made by Game Mill and they made like, you know, bangers like Cobra Kai, the Karate Kid Saga <laughs> Continues and Cartoon Network Battle Crashers. So if you if you like those games, maybe you'll like this one. And they are publishing um, the new Avatar The Last Airbender game. Oh, so. yes. <laughs> and, and we already talked about that game in like the last few podcasts where it was like, yeah, it looks, yeah, it looks, basically all the issues I just said where it's like, you know, stiff animations looks pretty like 360 gen in terms of stuff yeah uh yeah it, it doesn't look great uh the game will be released uh for last gen and current gen consoles for 50 dollars. so if you really like walking dead and you want to <laughs> relive those moments uh then go ahead and buy it i guess but um yeah for me personally it does not look very good and you know kind of like do people even really care about walking Dead anymore like, i don't really think there so. is I'm pretty a, sure there is a small group of people that do but yeah it is definitely not what it used to be back in its glory yeah. days uh you know used to have millions and millions of people you know watching it every single week and obviously you know the downfall was kind of big um so for them to now make this game uh sort of uh a a what if saga of uh walking dead seasons one through four of like how would you have played it out as rick grimes and sort of what these key moments would have been if you were in control and not just watching the show uh this feels like something that should have came out a while ago and for some reason they are just making it now i mean game mill have obviously made a bunch of you know really really mediocre games and i wonder how this one's gonna play out just by the looks of it it looks like dead by daylight like when i was looking at those screenshots i was like wait what the fuck is going on here um but yeah, I mean, I think that another story-driven Walking Dead game where you can pick your choices and whatnot—it's uh, going to be kind of interesting. I, I, I'm anticipating this game to get really, really low scores, but I think it's going to be all for the better because I think it's going to be very funny. Uh, just seeing, yeah, some <laughs> seeing, golem situation, yeah, <laughs> seeing how this plays out, and like obviously the voice actors are not the same from the show. I mean, uh, that is Rick that we are hearing throughout this trailer, and I'm just like. That is not Andrew Lincoln whatsoever. No, it's not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's at least kind of fun. You know, it is going to be fifty dollars, which I think is going to be insane. Uh, but yeah, we just have to wait yeah. to see how that. It'd be fun. It'd be fun to see a streamer like play. It. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. I think that this is going to so. be a very, very entertaining game to watch others play. Um, but moving on from there, we got the Xbox 360 storefront shuts down in July 2024. So pretty much. 
any game, any DLC piece attached to the Xbox 360 marketplace uh, will not be purchasable after July 29th, 2024. Uh, and the and the Microsoft Movies and TV app will not work on Xbox 360 consoles. Uh, but if you want to still play those games, they are still downloadable and they are still playable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that this is just them trying to, you know, phase obviously last, last generation out in favor of more server space for the current stuff. Cause obviously, you know, uh, they can't keep those servers up for long, especially when there's probably no one buying shit on those marketplaces and stores anyways. But if you are still waiting for certain DLC pieces on the Xbox 360 to buy, uh, obviously this is your chance to do it. But this, once again, goes back to my argument of like physical versus digital. Um, obviously, if you still have those Xbox 360 games physically, you're not going to have to worry about that. You can still play it on your Xbox Series X slash S and everything like that. But uh, if you have those games digitally, uh, you're going to have to, you know, see see where they are, you know, make sure that they are still downloadable after that July 29th date. Um, they say that they still are, but obviously, you know, uh you know, certain things that, you know, you may want with like the DLC and everything like that. You may still want to buy up if you haven't bought it already. Yeah, I will say Microsoft has been a lot better with this over the years. You know, they've been doing a great job doing the backwards compatibility thing. Uh, we could like, you know, basically play a bunch of 360 or even original Xbox games on your, your newer Xbox consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you bought a game during the 360 era, you still have access to it and stuff. Like, they've been way better about this stuff than Sony or, <laughs> God forbid, <laughs> Nintendo has. Where I feel like, uh, you know, with Nintendo, you have to, like, rebuy almost everything all the time. Sony, like, during the PS3 era was really messy with this type of stuff. As we could see, like, a lot of PS3 games just don't work <laughs> with mm-hmm. anything. So it makes it, like, way more detrimental for the, for the PSN store to go down rather than xbox marketplace to go down because um again microsoft has been doing great steps in uh sort of preserving a lot of their legacy stuff on their newer consoles where people could just play whatever three most of the three bigger 360 games obviously you can't play like fucking i don't know some really obscure (laughs) xbox original game or something but like if you have the disc for it you'll still be fine so um yeah i I definitely think microsoft has been doing this the right way i obviously like you know if you're gonna be like yeah they shouldn't shut down any stores and stuff like i get that but i do feel it is a time where it's like it's not worth the cost to really keep it up just to have it up Mm -hmm. so i I think microsoft did do the right thing where like they preserved enough of it like all the important stuff people actually care about and then they could just move on by shutting down the 360 store because there's really no point in it anymore yeah Uh, obviously like like you said i think dlcs are kind of the biggest thing that's annoying about it is like i think a lot of dlcs aren't backwards compatible and it makes things annoying so i think that would be like not great to do but um (laughs) you know i think i I do think they put in a lot of effort way more than sony and nintendo did so uh, i do appreciate their effort there yeah, especially since because they're giving their users and players almost a year, you know, heads up, being like, hey, you know, yeah. you got until July 2024 at the end of that month to download and buy whatever you need to buy. So, yeah, you know, and obviously this is Microsoft we're talking about here. So they were able to keep these stories up a lot longer. I mean, you know, we're talking about Sony here as well. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of backlash when they were trying to shut down the PS3 and Vita stores, uh, but they did not move on with that. But they did shut down the PSP store as listed in this IGN article. Um, but yeah, you know, digital versus physical, you know, once again, we are seeing another storefront sort of meet its end. Uh, but yeah, you know, is as you know, we move along, uh, with the console gaming generations, eventually the Xbox, uh, series X slash S stuff will no longer be playable, but you know, that's, that's way, way far in the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, 
I guess we're worried about that when the time comes, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's going to impact us more and more. I mean, I've been buying a lot more things, like, digitally now because uh-huh. I'm lazy. Like, obviously, Nintendo stuff I have all physical, but, like, all my PlayStation stuff is basically digital. So I feel like if anything happens, I- I'll be, like, eating shit. Uh, but <laughs> I- it hasn't happened yet. So I guess we'll see in a few, like, in, like, 10 years if I regret this a lot, which I probably will. <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll see. I guess it's because I got more used to it with Steam and stuff because mm-hmm. I have, like, 600 fucking games on Steam and I don't really, like mind it too much but you know i know consoles are different and stuff like what happens sony goes out of business i'm just fucked right but <laughs> i guess we'll see yeah you don't really think about stuff like that until it's actually like fuck. yeah <laughs> like that's not good uh but anyway <laughs> on to other news so uh alan wake 2 has been delayed 10 days to avoid clashing with with broketober because october is fucked <laughs> um <laughs> there's a lot of games coming out uh you know there's assassin's creed mario brothers wonder spider-man forza horizon or forza motorsports sorry uh they're all coming out october it's a lot of video games coming out and alan wake was like right in the middle of all of that mm-hmm. and obviously alan wake is you know they're putting a lot more budget into this you know it looks good as well but you know compared to all those other games it's, it won't stand a fucking chance right yeah. like you know those are some big heavy hitter titles so i think um Remedy did a good choice of moving it from October 17th to October 27th. Um, you know, it matches a more Halloween uh, release date anyway because it's a spooky <laughs> game. So mm-hmm. that's cool. And also it avoids all of those big games. I think they probably should have just delayed it to November, if I'm going to be honest, just you know, to really get away from all those big October releases. But, um, you know, uh, I think this will hopefully make them sell more copies. But I still don't know because, yeah, you know, people still... Yeah, you, you're gonna buy <laughs> Spider-Man, right? Yeah. You're gonna buy fucking Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and then like Alan Wake is gonna be left in the dust. So yeah, it's it's a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, October is slammed with pretty much every single game coming out this year. You know, like you said, we got Mario, we got Forza, we got Sonic Superstars. Apparently, we got obviously Spider-Man Two. Oh, so, Sonic! Yeah, it's supposed to supposedly come out. Yeah, supposedly. But you know, having Alan Wake Two, this like double A kind of game that not a lot of people are super familiar with, especially since because. That that too is a little daunting to some people who are like, can I actually play this game? Which you probably can and probably still understand what's happening. Um, but, you know, this is also a game that they are doing the whole digital only route. So, you know, there's a lot of like moving factors here that they were like, all right, what can we control? We can control the date. So we'll just push it back 10 extra days to also give themselves more time to polish, but also just like avoid all of these big heavy hitters dropping in the middle of October. So, you know, yeah. this is a great move by them. And I'm sure that, you know, Alan Wake fans, you know, they've waited long enough. Another 10 days isn't going to kill them, hopefully. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that this is a fine move. Um, but once again, you know, just like on like the bigger topic of just like Alan Wake, will this succeed? Will the game actually be successful in pushing this, you know, digital only release to, you know, sort of keep it down $10, but at the same time, you know, not have a retail version out at the store for, for people to see and sort of be reminded as, you know, you're just like randomly walking in a Walmart or Target and seeing, oh shit, wait, they made another Alan Wake game you know kind of thing because i'm sure that there's a lot of people that don't follow gaming news like we do where it's like you know we know everything or almost everything that's happening within the industry yeah it's uh you know it's it's gonna be weird how this game turns out i don't really expect it to sell very well mm-hmm. uh which is unfortunate because it does look like pretty good um you know i know my brother's really excited for it. he loves alan wake so um mm-hmm. you know hopefully hopefully they don't end this in a big cliffhanger or anything and it can end <laughs> in like a pretty nice satisfying way because I feel like when companies do that with like more niche products, it's always like, why did you do that? Yeah. That's why I was happy when like 
like Psychonauts 2 ended in like a pretty like nice way as opposed to the first game where it ended with such a big cliffhanger that we didn't get anything for like 20 fucking years or something so uh hopefully that doesn't it doesn't work like that but uh I guess we'll see because it has a very stiff competition <laughs> in yeah. October I just got war flashbacks of Sly 4 but <laughs> yeah, same with Sly. Yeah, so we're not gonna talk about that. But yeah, you know, I'm just glad that Remedy was also very transparent to be like October is an amazing month for games. You know, so they were like, we're just gonna make sure that everyone can enjoy those games before they hopefully jump into Halloween too. But you know, yep. we'll see when that happens. All right, so now we're gonna get into the next bit of the show, which is my adventures with Superman episodes six and seven. Uh, we're gonna do full spoilers for this, uh, and yeah, so. I mean, I fucking love these episodes. I think that these two in particular are by far like the best uh, we've seen of the series so far, especially episode seven. I feel like that that is like a very nice, like self-contained episode. Even if you haven't watched the six episodes prior to it, you can understand what's happening. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that what the plot is like telling us and what the show is moving forward with, it's also kind of interesting as well, where it's like, oh my God, is this Clark Kent going to be bad? And I'm just like, this guy's been a soft boy the whole fucking time. Is he actually (laughs) going to like go evil and go rogue and like start killing everyone? I don't know. But yeah. And then going back to episode six, you know, just like developing Jimmy Olsen a little bit more and seeing the fallout of that sort of relationship and also just like the reveal of, you know, Lois Lane figuring out that he's Superman. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I really like episode six, like you said, like, I think giving Jimmy some, like, character development is nice, because, you know, it's kind of just been there, you know, for the last <laughs> few episodes, like, you know, he's funny, had some good moments, but, like, mm-hmm. he's kind of just there, so I'm happy to see him have more of a, you know, like, character stuff to do, you know what I mean, so, yeah, I do feel like he was kind of third wheeling a lot of the time, unfortunately, but, uh, <laughs> I think he did a good job developing his character in this one, you know, he had fun with, uh, like, Winston <laughs> from Overwatch, <laughs> the real bad guy, so, like, yeah, that was cool to see. Um, obviously, like, you know, Lois and uh, Clark, like, sort of, like, uh, forgiving each other as well. Like, that's nice to see because, you know, I was worried there would be, like, a little too much of this season if they, like, started fighting about, like, you know, like, oh, sorry, I lied and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I was okay with it in the, in the last episode. I'm like, as long as they, like, kind of reconvened pretty quickly, I was okay with it. And they did, you know, they did, like, make up with each other pretty fast and stuff. So that, that's nice to see because uh, I feel like it was, like, another few episodes of them just complaining about each other but okay <laughs> i don't know if that would have been fine because i don't know like he obviously cares about her and stuff yeah and he can, like you know it's not like he did it on purpose or anything so um and it's also cool how the, the show that jimmy was very like he's like yeah of course i fucking knew you were super <laughs> you know like you're doing like a bunch of weird shit bro like how was i not gonna notice that so yeah um, i thought that was pretty cool as well you know shows jimmy being smarter than just being like some crazy like conspiracies guy um <laughs> And honestly, uh, when with the next episode, I was surprised that like they're doing like the multiverse stuff so soon. Yeah. Like, usually that's like um, usually that's like a whole ass arc like by itself. But we're mm-hmm. already almost done with the season, I think, because he said it was nine episodes, right? Yeah, I think it's um, only nine. So yeah, it's pretty interesting to right bring up multiverse stuff because again, that's usually like a, like a season three thing or something. You know, that's like mm-hmm. later. So it's interesting to bring that up now, and you have like the Council of Loises and stuff. And <laughs> obviously, not every Superman is a good Superman. I think we've seen that uh, you know a few times. The Superman just murdering everyone. But like you said, I don't think this Clark is gonna be like that because look at him. <laughs> I, I don't think he got hurt to fly. Um, I, I like the villain. Uh, you know, he, he, it looks like a Dragon Ball Z villain yes. or something. <laughs> um, really well animated and stuff. You know, like really fun, like sort of trickster god sort of thing going on. Um, and yeah, it just really opens up this world to like a lot more crazy stuff uh, with the whole multiverse and how that's going to affect, you know, Lois's relationship even more with Superman if he's like, should I trust him or whatever. Uh, also, we get 
things with like Krypton, like to know what Krypton is or like mm-hmm. they've been hearing about it and like, oh, like that's where I'm from and stuff. So yeah, pretty interesting developments within the show. Um, I'm really wondering how it's going to wrap up the, the season. Like I, it probably has to deal with um, Task Force X is probably going to deal with like them mostly. Mm-hmm. I thought this is more set up for like later seasons, but uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, and just to confirm, there are 10 episodes this season. Oh, uh, 10 episodes. So, yeah, yeah, you know, we still got a little bit ways to go. But, yeah, you know, episode seven, you know, that whole multiverse stuff was actually done really, really well, you know, especially yeah. since because people are getting sick and tired of it, including us to a certain extent. But I think that this episode yeah. did it, you know, tastefully and was explaining it pretty well. Uh, you know, I, I like that line where Lotus, where, uh, Lois was like, I'm 23, and like all of these other Loises did like so many like amazing and great things when they yeah. were younger, you know. I think that that relatable. is like, <laughs> yeah, that is just like another like yeah. relatable thing of like you know, I guess like us in and I guess like our mid 20s now, which is like crazy to say, you yeah. know, just like seeing people on like social media, you know, accomplish certain things, and you're like, shit, you know, like they're fucking my age, and like I'm just sitting here playing fucking video games or whatever. So, um, but yeah, you know, just like. That episode, episode seven, like I said, it is by far like my favorite episode so far just because, you know, it was it was done really, really well where like everything was sort of like coming together and it felt like that the season, you know, just like with every episode prior where like the writers and like the team was like planning everything out and like sort of like throwing little things here and there to like have like the viewers like see and like sort of guess of as to like what's going to happen next, you know, so I'm glad that, you know, we're back to or we're here at like, I guess like you know what people think of like superman where like lois and you know clark are like together and then you know you got like jimmy olsen you know doing his own thing or whatever but you know now he's like actually part of the group um so yeah you know i cannot wait to see what happens next but yeah you know i i really did like what these two episodes did in particular yeah i agree like i think there's a lot of cool setup going on obviously he's gonna learn more about his like kryptonian like past like, later <laughs> yeah. as i feel like that's gonna be like the big overarching thing and i feel like like task for sex is gonna be like the major antagonist at least for now uh but yeah very interested to see how they like progress the story and how you know they just evolved this version of superman and like when he gets his new powers and all that like it's very cool stuff like i i really am enjoying like the progression of not only his character is like Superman, but his like character as Clark. Like I think they've been doing a good job as that as well. Because mm-hmm. um, again, I, I feel like my biggest issue with Superman was like he didn't feel human to me. So I feel like <laughs> this show has really made it like yeah, he's like this like cool dude, like just like this shy guy that just like <laughs> try try to get his way through the world and stuff, and he doesn't really know what he's capable of and stuff. So I think all that is really well done. You know, I think Lois is great. Like Jimmy's great. You no, know, I've been I've been really enjoying it as well. So. Yeah, shout out to the uh, team for giving a shirtless uh, Clark for that one yeah. scene. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of yeah, there's been a lot of fan service that they didn't know what people want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, Lois was like, "How'd you know you were both with it?" He was like, "I didn't fucking know." <laughs> I was like, "That yeah, is great. I know you weren't. That is yeah. great." So yeah, you know, so far so good with the show. Cannot praise it enough. Uh, yes. But we're about to tear something down. Uh, Spider-Man <laughs> Lotus. So just to, like, yeah. preface, we're not going to talk about, like, the controversy and everything that's it's going bad, on. Yeah. yeah, it's like, bad. The it's bad. Is we, bad are, yeah. we are against, like, the racism shit, whatever other allegations that are floating around online. You know, like, obviously, like, Gavin created this film out of, like, ego and, like, sort of, like, what his interpretation of Spider-Man is and sort of used this $100,000 budget that he got, by the way. Like, he was only asking for 20 k but because the Spider-Man Twitter and, like, people, you know, loved what 
was looking like a really good Spider-Man fan film, you know, people donated money, including myself, like just to like preface that, like I donated money. I gave, yeah. I gave them $50 because I wanted that collector's edition Blu-ray because it was going to have a cover by an artist that I am familiar with on Spider-Man Twitter. But yeah, I was just like, okay, you know what? There's like only a few days left in the campaign. I might as well throw my $50 in there because why not? You know, if it's, if I'm going to have this Spider-Man fan film, like physically, you know what? Fuck it. But now I kind of regret it. I mean, you know, I still don't have it. He says uh, in the Indiegogo update that he's going to take it out of his own pocket, which is kind of fucking weird because you had this much money to make the film and also do everything yeah. else. And then he also did the premiere and everything like that. But Damien, what, what is your, I guess, like background with Spider-Man Lotus before we get into it? Honestly, I didn't know anything about it. All right, so I think I first heard of it when people were talking about, like, I think they did the CGI thing when he was swinging, and people thought it looked really good, right? Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that does look good. And that was the only thing I heard about it until, like, the racism stuff came in. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, I'm like oh, that, that CGI thing that the guy did. I'm like, yeah, that looks good. And then I was like, oh, no, like, but the Spider-Man in that movie is actually racist and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. So th- that was my experience with it. I actually didn't know too much about it until the big controversies started happening. Um, but I know for you, you, you've been following it a lot longer, apparently. Like, yeah. I, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the team that did that initial CGI thing left, which you probably noticed as you were watching uh, the film. You're like, hmm, yeah. this stuff looks a little iffy. Um, yeah. yeah, that was probably the other team that he was able to uh, get or and uh, sort of do whatever shots that he needed to do. But um, yeah, I mean, it's two hours long, so it's a long ass oh fucking God. fan yeah. film, you know. I, the, I- <laughs> When I think of fan films, I think of like 30 minutes, maybe even yes. 45, you know. Yeah. I still love that Uncharted fan film with uh, Nathan Fillion because that just felt like Uncharted like so much. Uh, not just mm-hmm. because Nathan Fillion looks like Nathan Drake, but also just because the vibe that that fan film gave. And, you know, Spider-Man Lotus, you know, there are moments where I'm like, okay, like that was like a cool shot or whatever. But then again, a lot of the shots fucking take forever like he's just like Mm -hmm. holding shit for like really really long Uh which also plays into like the pacing of the film it just feels bad bad. yeah (laughs) dude this fucking movie is so boring (laughs) so so, all right like you know let me start with the good first let's start with the good let's start with the good so i i do think the costume designs are pretty good like Mm -hmm. obviously like i like i think they they are well made like i think the spider-man suit looks pretty good um you know there was two other costumes shocker looked pretty good uh you know green goblin i didn't really like his face that much but i think the rest of it looked pretty good um you know the cgi when it was like some parts did look iffy but i was pretty impressed for what it was Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah this does look pretty good for what it is um so yeah i think all the like the the spider-man comic booky stuff like i thought all that stuff was actually pretty good um and and i think that's about it (laughs) um like like, i i feel like this movie um try to do like all three of the all the spider-man movies you already know right so it has it wants to have like the big gwen and spider-man or peter parker relationship but i feel like it's done way worse than in amazing spider-man mm-hmm. um i think it wants to invoke a lot of the sam raimi feelings as well but i also feel like it doesn't really do that as well because uh, you know all the characters are like I, I believe they're like 20s and stuff like they're like college age but yeah it just i don't know it did, none of it works very well and they also really really want to invoke that they're all really good friends but i feel like they <laughs> do a lot of like they try to do a lot of like telling and not showing like yeah they mm-hmm. show some stuff but it feels like it feels very ham-fisted like oh look how good friends they are like i feel like the mcu spider-man did that way better with their core friend group like they feel like actual friends in that movie and doesn't feel as forced as in this movie so i feel like she has the, all three of the things that all three of the spider-man movie like trilogies try to do and just doesn't do any of them well um and its biggest sin is is the pacing it's so bad <laughs> <laughs> 
it, 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 dude, the establishing shot, shots, like, they last for so fucking long. Um, dude, there was a part where Henry, uh, Harry, Henry, what the fuck? <laughs> Harry, sorry, I can't even talk. Harry was, like, walking, like, on, on like, he was just walking for, like, five fucking minutes. <laughs> like, why are we fucking doing this so much? I was, like, skipping forward. I'm like, what? Nothing is happening. He's just walking on a bridge for, like, five fucking minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah there's I've, a lot more shots like that, too. Like, it's just so padded out. Yeah, I mean, I... I saw a tweet where it was like, this film needs to be studied for film school for everything you shouldn't fucking do in a movie, <laughs> yeah. which is like insane. But obviously, like, I'm not a director. I'm not a filmmaker. You know, I don't study film, so I'm not going to claim any of that shit. But yeah. yeah, the pacing is fucking awful. Like, my girlfriend, yeah. she was watching it with me because I was like, do you want to watch this with me? Because, like, I have to watch this two hour shit if we're going to talk about it on, on, <laughs> yeah. on the uh, podcast. And like, I paid money for it, so I might as well watch it, you know? Um, right. So, like, she was watching it. She was into it, like, at first, like, roasting it. And then she, like, fell asleep. And I was like, okay, yeah. that's fair. It's it's boring. Yeah, no, fun. it is so boring. I, I caught myself dozing off, especially during those uh, MJ and Flash scenes where I was like, oh, yeah. he introduced Flash Thompson. I was like, I didn't know that he was in the film. And I was like, this back and forth is going on too fucking long that it doesn't really serve what this story is trying to do. Because, like, I believe the, the comic that he's trying to adapt is Spider-Man Blue, which is, like... Peter Parker's falling out with Gwen Stacy where he's like doing those like voice recordings which you see like at the yeah. end where he's like you know talking to Gwen or whatever so that's like the main story and then he also adapts the the kid that collects Spider-Man which was like I, I think like a one-shot issue or whatever but yeah those are like the two main stories that he's trying to adapt while also like trying to insert all of these other scenes and everything like that and I'm just like man like can we just like get to the point and like also like the the uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man that we get here, not just like the fact that the actor is like problematic, but also just like he didn't feel like Spider-Man. I mean, when he was talking yeah. to that kid, he was like, I'm not a hero. I'm like, this kid has a whole room of your shit. What the fuck you mean? The kid is terminally ill. You're telling this kid that I am not your hero? Like that is like so fucked up. I was like, this yeah. is crazy <laughs> to say. Yeah, this Peter always felt like he had the black suit. Like I don't know why. Like he, he like he, he always felt like so aggro. I'm like I get that Gwen Stacy died and I can be in a good mood, but I feel uh-huh. like like but he like blew up on MJ like that and just I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like that was like Yeah. That was pretty fucked up. Yeah, I um it's been a while since I've read Spider-Man Blue, but I don't think there was a scene like that in there in in that comic book. I feel like the comic book was a lot of just like going back to the night that Gwen Stacy died and and Peter Parker sort of like narrating over what was going through his head and like how he was feeling and everything like that. But go on. Yeah, I also felt like, you know, this movie takes place like there's like a whole thing that happens before this, you know, with Gwen Stacy's death and stuff. And then it wants to deal with the aftermath of that, which is cool. You know, like I'm like, you know, that's a cool way to like say like because we don't really have a lot of things like that, like Mm -hmm. at least in movie form. Like obviously Amazing Spider-Man 2, like it kind of ended with that. Um, But I feel like you don't really get that connection with these version of these characters, right? Like I feel like while all that that character development, you know, the action scenes were goblin, like you see a bit with that. But you know, we don't really see Gwen Stacy. Like we see her dying, but it's not like as it like the Amazing Spider-Man. That was the best part about Amazing Spider-Man 2. That scene you felt like, oh my god, like they did that. It was really shocking to even though that movie is really bad, like the stuff with Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy was done really well, especially like her death scene. Like it feels horrible to watch that. Mm -hmm. Um, This movie doesn't have that same like emotional attachment because it's like you didn't see any of that it kind of like fast forward uh all of that it feels like you're watching a sequel to to a movie that doesn't exist right like, mm-hmm. like i feel like i probably should have that context to really 
feel attached to these characters. Um, so now when we're dealing with this more emotional sort of like aftermath, you know, I don't really feel anything for these versions of these characters because they're like just there. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, it doesn't help that, yes, the acting is very wooden and stuff. Like it's not very like, you know, like, I don't want to be that rude, I guess, like to the other actor, like Spider-Man, like, yeah, he's racist. I feel like it'd be rude <laughs> but like everyone else, like I don't really know the backstories and stuff. Like, or I don't know how much acting experience they have or mm-hmm. anything. So I don't want to be too rude. But yeah, the acting is just like uh, kind of okay. Uh, but I never felt that convinced at all about any of the emotions they were telling me so um mm-hmm. and for a movie that's so built on like that like you have to care about their emotions and like that friendship and stuff i just felt none of that through their acting and it just makes this like such a slog to sit through you know yeah i mean it just felt like that gavin got these people who looked like the characters but they didn't like mesh together like i guess yeah. he didn't do like any like screen tests with them or like have them like hang out with each other because and like if they did obviously like it didn't like translate on screen because like obviously like the best part of the mark webb amazing spider-man movies is, is the fact that emma stone and andrew garfield are so like you know like their chemistry is like insane like it is yeah, so much yeah. it's so much fun watching them on screen but like when i watched you know this peter parker and this gwen stacy which like the the actress that plays gwen she like very much distanced herself from the film like instantly like yeah. the moment the accusation came out she's like no 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 nope Nope. Later. Nope. Um, but, you know, just like seeing them interact with each other, I was just like, man, this chemistry is just not there. Like, not there at all, bro. Uh, yeah, it's just it was like, like- <laughs> uh, and like, we only, we only get one scene of them like together, like together, yeah. like by themselves. And I'm just like, man, this is like not it. It just didn't feel like emotionally like invested. Like, I just could not get mm-hmm. myself invested into these versions of the character, like at all. And I feel like yeah. that getting to that was like it just took so fucking long like what was the point of the fucking shocker fight tell me yeah. what was the point of that other than to have a uh, fucking spider-man use human beings as like body shields or whatever which which is out of character as well that was like a huge thing on spider-man twitter it was like why is he using humans to like block the attacks he should be saving them if you will yeah uh, getting them out of the way instead of using them uh to get them closer to shocker but yeah it just there's there's just a lot wrong with this movie you know, <laughs> not just yeah, behind I the def- scenes, but just like the film itself. I feel like I definitely try to fast track itself also for like the big emotional moments where it's like basically the music does all the heavy lifting. It's like, right, we're gonna put some sad music. <laughs> so, like, there's two moments where this happens is like when Peter's looking at like the, like, the, I guess, like their family fucking videos and shit, mm-hmm. like looking through all that shit, which also lasts way too long. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, like, like who cares? Like, they, they feel like people in cosplay, right? Like, mm-hmm. just doing like, vacation stuff and i don't really feel anything same thing with um when he was like speaking to like little timmy over there like you know with his like <laughs> looking at all like oh spider-man is great and stuff I, I feel like it's mostly like the music that's doing a lot of the heavy lifting and those emotional moments because yeah I, I don't really feel a lot for these version of these characters and stuff and also like you said i feel like it was just trying to miss way too much um with the Gwen Stacy stuff and like with this terminally ill kid <laughs> and shit. <laughs> I just actually kind of felt it's kind of funny. Like at the end of it, he's going through all the fucking gravestones. Like everyone's fucking dead. Like yes. Gwen is dead. <laughs> Lil Timmy's dead. <laughs> like Sam, bro, one second dead. Bro, when they yeah, showed that bad. gravestone of the kid dead, I was like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> They couldn't have just like <laughs> left that open. Just been like, you nah, know what? I thought they were gonna lift it open. Like he yeah, maybe nah. he lived or something. Like, nah, he's fucking yeah, dead. They, <laughs> that was just crazy to me. But yeah, I mean, there is just so much going on within this film, and obviously like the pacing of it, and just like everything going back and forth, and yeah, it just it, it just felt like I lost two hours of my life. You know, just watching yeah. this shit. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I, I watched a lot of it in like one point. 
two fights times speed. <laughs> Which I don't blame you. I don't blame. I watched yeah. it. I watched it normally uh, because I had it on my TV or whatever. So I, yeah. I don't know if I want to do that uh, on on the uh, big screen. But also, I couldn't put it on 4K. I don't know if that's just like a YouTube Premium thing for like. Um, I on think PlayStation. it is. Yeah, but yeah, I was watching it at fucking 1080p. I was just like, man, this shit is ass. Uh, anyways. Um, yeah, you know, just like the film, it was just trying to do way too much. And like, it felt like there was so much shit that could have been cut. Like it, it would have been fine if we just saw Flash at the end and not have that whole like part with like MJ and Flash, like talking to each other. I'm just like, yeah, all right, I get it. Like this is trying to like have her talk her feelings out after that big fight with Peter. But then again, that, that couldn't, that that also could have been cut as well. Where like Peter blew up on MJ for like whatever reason, you know, I don't know. But yeah, it just yeah just felt weird. <laughs> like I, I'm not against a more I guess like Peter Parker centric story or anything. Mm-hmm. Like I just think it just wasn't really done well here. Like you know a lot of it wasn't very engaging and stuff. Like a lot of conversations felt again like a lot of it felt pretty wooden and stuff. And uh, uh, like like I said, like I just don't feel very attached to these versions of these characters because I feel like I'm thrust into this like dilemma without really getting to know anyone from the start. Again, these are characters we all know and stuff but mm-hmm. we don't know how these versions of these characters are and i feel like that's a very important way to do things like, I, I feel like you shouldn't just assume things like mm-hmm. i know like the audience might get sick of seeing uncle ben die and i, I do feel like that's like a whatever thing yeah. but i feel like in terms of like relationships and stuff like i feel like we should probably know like that stuff but yeah um, yeah I, I just feel like it wasn't very done really well and i feel like the pacing is definitely the worst part of the movie like like we said the pacing's like easily the worst part of this movie this movie could have been like at least an hour and I, maybe I still feel like we've been too much. <laughs> so like, but yeah, it definitely didn't need to be like, it, it's like an hour and 45 minutes because the credits are like 15 minutes. So it's like an hour and 45 minutes. I definitely feel like you could have cut like 45 minutes from this movie and it would have been fine. So um, yeah, the pacing is definitely the, di- the biggest like problem this movie has um, besides like the racism, <laughs> like from behind the scenes. Also, I find it really ironic how this movie's message is like, oh, like be a good like friend and like don't be an asshole and stuff. And then like everyone behind the scenes is like a dick. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, oops, I went out everyone. It's like mostly just Spider-Man and like the director guy, I think. So, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. Miles wasn't in it. <laughs> it just felt awful just watching this film. I was just like, okay, you know what? The uh, the uh, opening credits were like these comic book things and like the end stuff. I was like, all right, you know what? This is kind of cool, but like we should like get into it because like these opening credits are kind of kind of going on a little long and then we don't even get into it because we're watching the shocker fight and then once we do get yeah. into it we're kind of thrust into after spider-man kills green goblin i was like wait what he just killed him i was like what the fuck yeah. um but yeah and even like i still remember when when that like photo of like the battle damage like peter parker suit came out on twitter <laughs> yeah. bro bro everyone was losing they're like yo man this is gonna be the best spider-man movie ever and then we don't even like see the, see it in like full action it's like no man i yeah it just yeah the movie the movie is just a bunch of wasted potential i think like i think it could have been something good if it was just shorter i'm not like zero for two in these fan movies like i remember that that sonic fan movie like a long ass time ago i think like so, with, the, maybe. with the really shitty cgi sonic and stuff maybe. oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh yeah. with uh Jalou white or whatever yeah i think sonic so yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that too. Dude, I'm like zero for two on these. Uh, I, I think it does take a lot of passion to make these things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I commend anyone for even trying to do stuff like this. But, you know, I, I think, you know, people can only be so lenient about certain stuff. And if mm-hmm. the movie is still like not great, you know, you still got to say it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's still like, you know, like, yeah, it's still it's not great. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> not especially with the 100K budget, bro. 
You yeah. had you had five times the amount you were supposed to make. I'm hoping I'm and doing the math right. Where, <laughs> I don't really know where that money went because it's yeah. like there, there wasn't like a lot of action scenes really. Like there was the shocker scene, and that's it. The Green Goblin stuff a little uh, bit. The, the Green Goblin stuff for like five, like for not even five minutes, <laughs> and some swinging around, which is like not a lot. Again, I, I again, I'm not like saying this should be like a, a like a huge amount of spider-man stuff because that stuff is expensive mm-hmm. but it's also like when most of the movies like just people talking i feel like where i where did that 100k go would did it really cost 100k for that one shocker part like maybe, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know a lot about budget or anything but yeah. uh, i feel like we could, probably could have one more action scene like towards the middle but i don't know yeah it just it was just awful uh you know if you want to yeah, watch it, was, it, it good. <laughs> you want to watch it you can it's on youtube or uh, if you don't want to give them that view it's somewhere on twitter uh, because obviously it's for not for profit, so they can't take it down copyright or whatever. But yeah, Spider Man Lotus, I'm just I'm just glad it's quote unquote over. I don't care if I get that Blu-ray or not. You know that money's gone. I've I, I I've accepted <laughs> it a long time ago. But um, yeah, Spider Man Lotus. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, good sir? I'm gonna say is it's been a while since I had a Spider Man stinker in a bit, so it honestly <laughs> feels kind of nostalgic. Because we've been in, like, golden age of Spider-Man content. So, I'm like, yeah, I need something to bring me back down, you know? So, yeah. All right. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to the Travis and David podcast. Uh, We will see you guys two weeks from now with another episode. Later.